0: and welcome to the ONTIC Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton with the ONTIC Center for Connected Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of safety, security, and protection through conversations with leaders in the field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, and our guest today is Amanda Mason. Amanda is the Vice President of Intelligence for the Related Companies. She is responsible for the integration of information from various sources and bridging the gap of cyber threats, national security, local law enforcement, physical security, and business intelligence. She also provides threat information and solutions to the various subsidiaries under related companies, which include real estate, infrastructure, manufacturing, hospitality, and international finance. Amanda is also a reservist, currently serving as the Director of Intelligence for the District of Columbia Air National Guard. With over 27 years of service, Amanda has held various positions in the intelligence and special operations communities. Amanda, welcome to the OnTIC Protective Intelligence Podcast.
1: Good morning. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. Oh,
0: it's certainly our pleasure. We've been looking forward to this for a while. Amanda, help our audience understand how you got into the security business.
1: <laughs> Pardon me, where do I, I begin on that? Um, really, I, I think uh, one, it started with just a, a general interest in international affairs and languages. And from there, I think when you start studying you know, history of regions, it really starts to translate more into the history, the lessons learned, things that have happened, uh, you know, with certain situations, especially I started off as a linguist in the, in the air force, uh, Arabic linguist. And so my time on the job really just translated not only the languages, but it really moved into national security. And with that, just getting that hands-on, uh, on-the-job training immersion as part of the national security process and programs. And so by doing that sort of hands-on experience, that's really where you start learning that you're really becoming a subject matter expert in different types of missions and operations. And so as my career progressed, uh, the more experiences are garnered, whether it was as a translator or in counterterrorism, moving into cyber, and then within missions with. Across the intelligence community and the interagency, it really started to to grow as a subject matter expert. So instead of a, a traditional study of security, I really was immersed in security, and so with that came the documentation, the writing of of different playbooks, and really just became that uh, I guess um, for lack of better terms, just as, as a linguist and a, a true immersion in security. Uh, and then, obviously, I think from Department of Defense days and uh, moving into the private sector, it really just translated very well into uh, into the new career.
0: Amanda, how did your experiences in the National Guard and the Department of Defense influence your leadership approach and the work you do today?
1: Uh, that is such a, a, a great question, and I, I definitely feel like there's there's more uh, than one part to to that and really the first thing that comes to mind is the way that the military provided us opportunities to learn uh, about leadership and leadership styles. So uh, the military gives us an opportunity to learn, uh, you know, the content, the academics, it actually puts us in the positions to practice what we have learned. And then it, it grades us on the ways that we actually utilize and implement what we have learned, which is extremely beneficial because any leader knows you need feedback, not only from your peers, uh, but also from the people that you are leading. And I think that that feedback loop is extremely beneficial because it's also it it gives us a chance to understand our weaknesses as well as what our strengths are and then to adjust. Because as we know in security operations, we always have to adjust. And that leadership style is very important depending on the situation, right? If we can have a a chance to do more long-term strategic, it gives us a chance to really I think, encourage uh, diversity of thought right? and intelligence and security. Of course, we all have different perspectives of, what something, of something that could happen uh, and we'll agree and we'll disagree. But that type of leadership, I think, is extremely important when you have to understand how everyone's experiences are going to play and apply that to a potential security piece. And I think additionally, the the followership style is something very unique to to the Department of Defense as well as the National Guard, because we all know our leaders and our commanders, whether it's a it's a business line or it's an on scene uh, site command, that we have to understand how to then to adjust our response. And I think those two tools have been extremely important, especially as we move into the uh, in, into security operations. And then, of course, the, the last uh, but not least is. Because I've had great mentors and great bosses who have given me the feedback, both positive and negative, to help me become who I am today. I think that that desire to pay it forward and to help train the next generation of young security professionals has definitely stayed with me. Just because I've been taken care of, it's great to help get the next batch of security professionals in line to be my replacement in the future.
0: Yeah, well said. I know a lot of folks uh, struggle. Transitioning from the government and into the private sector. I mean, I think back on the the time frame when I left, uh, you know, twenty five years ago, and it was a big transition. So, for most of us, there are surprises when you transition. So, when you transitioned from the National Guard into the private sector, what surprised you the most?
1: Um, you know, I think sort of piggybacking off of what what you said for for your experience and things that have somewhat changed uh, as as I made the progression. The first thing, of course, that surprised me is the terminology and the processes to go from a Department of Defense and government perspective to a corporate perspective uh, where in the military, right, we, you know, we, we in process, we hurry up, we wait. But we know what the outline is going to be, what we need to do next. And that is completely different in the private sector. Uh, where you may not know what the process is as you transition or move to uh, looking at being hired by another company. It's not as, uh, it's not as a, a apparent as it is in the military. And I think that that causes uh, some consternation for people moving from a uniform perspective into, into the private sector. So that process has been, I think, a challenge. Uh, what I, I really like seeing is our experiences in uniform are translating even more so into the private sector. And so I think as as that translation occurs, more uh, more service members separating and moving into the private sector will have a better transition process. But really what sort of shocked me, uh, there there are two things that really shocked me the the most in in this transition. And one was the, the selling of security, basically. In the military, if we say that there's a threat, it's a very easy sell to our senior leaders. First question they ask: What do you need? How can we stop it? And the money is there. Uh, The the military left right limits. I mean, in the end, that is the inherent role of the military is to protect. So if you see a threat, the resources are going to be there to help protect whatever it is you you're you're defending, whether it's your team, your base, or you know a system. And so when you move into the private sector, it's not an easy sell because one the majority of of civilians haven't been immersed in that sort of threat environment. Two, it all comes down to cost, And so you really have to start justifying your spend and your expense and demonstrate a return on investment. And I think that that was really just the biggest lesson I had to learn was how do you then quantify your security win when nothing happens and how do you not scare people? Because in the end, the sky isn't falling, uh, and how do you make that those connections so you can have what you need to protect your resources? And the the last thing that really surprised me is really the role of private sector in national security. I think nowadays we're really hearing, uh, you know, lots of uh, of news stories and headlines and just the demand for public private partnerships. And the private sector is just such a wealth of raw information that really not, may not make a national. Uh, you know, security threshold. But com- when compiled and aggregated, it really gives amazing insights into trends, into tactics, techniques, like and procedures. Because when we think about 9 11 and other terrorist attacks, a lot of it is on the private sector. It's not just against military or government targets. It is uh, the private sector is representative of uh, Western ideologies, uh, capitalism, freedom. And so I think that. That was a huge shock to me when I left uh, you know, the, the government and going straight into the private sector is how much we really do have on our side to impact national security. And I think, again, with, with, uh, with organizations uh, like DHS, CISA, the JCDC, that private sector engagement with the government is even bigger and more in demand.
0: We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment, but first I wanted to tell you a little bit about OnTIC's Center for Connected Intelligence. In the world of safety, security, and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That is why we created the Ontix Center for Connected Intelligence. The center is a hub for the ongoing exchange of security strategies and best practices, insights on current and past trends, and sharing valuable information through expert discussion and analysis. It's made up of seasoned experts across a wide range of disciplines. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers and more, check out the Center by visiting ontic.co/center. That's ontic.co/center. Amanda, for those who may not be familiar with Related Companies, please tell us a little bit about the company and, and your role.
1: Sure. So Related Companies is the largest uh, privately held real estate company in the U.S. Uh, we have mixed use, commercial, as well as luxury uh, and affordable uh, developments. If you think of uh, Related Companies, really Hudson Yards is our is our uh, not only our headquarters, but our largest development. It was the largest development in U.S. history, uh, and there hasn't been a development like that since uh, since the Rockefeller Center. In, in addition to the real estate side, we also have uh, subsidiaries where uh, that range from hospitality uh, and fitness to gaming to restaurants. Uh, really, when, when you think of uh, the, the critical infrastructure sectors, uh, we're we're a part of that in the sense of we have Venture capital. We have uh, we own football teams. We own the property. Uh, we have the drone racing league as part of that venture capital. So our our range is across the board, and now we're moving into energy uh, and lots of other fields. So it isn't just necessarily a real estate company, but we do have a, a huge role across a, a very wide spectrum. Uh, and then specifically, my role. Uh, so very similar to what my role was in the government, uh, which is really, um, you know, sort of my title says intelligence, but really it's a it's a it's a mixture of what we would have intel and force protection on the military side, as well as government relations and government affairs. So my role specifically is to look at all our sources of information, sort of aggregate that, and use our analytic process. Analyze report dissemination. But my sources are a little bit different now. It's not only just the government and our own raw information, but it's also our, our our partners and what bothers them, what are they worried about. And really just sort of looking at the the wide range of security risks at every at every level, from the day to day sort of tactical, as we would say, all the way to the strategic levels of geopolitical and national security situations. And then turning that to how does that impact our business and our operations i think is that that final piece of what makes uh, my role part of that in, in integrated piece into not only security operations but across our actual business lines
0: yeah that's quite the portfolio how do you see security's role in influencing decisions around office locations
1: oh uh, that's a it's um that's a great question there nowadays there, there definitely is i think a very strong role for security operations regarding the the, the selection of, of locations and office spaces. I think as we see across the news today, right? Crime, uh, threats of workplace violence, all these weigh on people's minds because nowadays companies are really being held responsible for the safety and security of their employees. And so security really has that, that huge role of what is the facility look like? What are the security measures? What are the technologies that are in there? Can I work with the, with the company to get whatever else I need to help keep my, my employees secure? And it's not just secure, it's also safe. And when your employees are safe and secure, then obviously you get that productivity. You get that excitement to come into the office because people aren't nervous about what's going to happen in their area. So I think that those procedures, as well as those protocols that are in place, security has a huge role in that. Because mostly companies don't, they want to help minimize their risk and their exposure. Because again, nowadays, the, the costs are very high for these types of criminal acts and incidents to occur at or near their property.
0: Amanda, what advice do you have for corporate security teams when partnering with real estate or corporate leaders in managing and selecting office space?
1: Uh, there's, there's definitely a few things that I have seen that, that work. That would be my, my advice. And the first thing is, is there a security team there on hand or do you need to bring in more? If they're on hand, what are their resources and their procedures? Do you have an ops center? How do you relay information back to the the company as a tenant? How are you sharing information? What's the relationship with the security team, with the local police, as well as with the local government? What exercises and relationships and information sharing will continue in the long run? I think that these are, are extremely valuable that not only are people looking for in amenities and buildings, but also in a, security, uh, in a security team at a specific site. So understanding the environment, the crime, the risks, and what, are, what, are, what is that security team doing to minimize, mitigate, and reduce those vulnerabilities.
0: Amanda, is there anything that you would like to say that I haven't asked you?
1: Uh, Nothing really comes to comes to mind. It's I think that the questions were just uh, amazing. And I I hope I I hope I hit the points that uh, that were of interest and that you were looking for.
0: You were spot on. It was very engaging. And we really, really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been my pleasure.
0: This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monteverdi Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcasts at or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. Thanks for listening.